You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. Okay, so in today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about a tangible product. Not just software, not just systems and playbooks and APIs and AI. We're going to be talking about actual homes. I've got Steve Glenn. He's co-founder and CEO of a company called Plant Prefab. And if you can't guess it from the name, they build prefab homes. Um, one of the things they do and they strive for is leading with design. And if you go on their website, which is easy to remember, plantprefab.com, you can look at all the homes that are on there that they have as their models that you could essentially buy off the shelf. And they're really good looking homes. Um, they're not like you know, the cookie cutter in the suburban neighborhood, similar to the one I live in. These are really stylish, modern homes. And on top of that, not only are they building stylish and modern homes, but Steve gets into this interview, talks through why design is so important and the feelings it can evoke. How you can take your design and also do it in a sustainable way. And many of the homes that they build are gold and even platinum lead certified. And towards the end of the interview, you hear Steve talk about the production increases that they are putting into play with a hub and spoke model for their plant manufacturing and automating the manufacturing of these homes. It's a significant uh, undertaking of what they're doing and they've got a ton of momentum. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right, but just one more thing here before we jump into today's episode, a word from our sponsor. Cure is banding together and building together to make renting a home a simple and satisfying experience for all. Over 30 leading property management companies have joined Pure so far. Combined, they have over 1,000 years of experience. They deliver a high-tech, high-touch, and hyper-local property management experience for residents and investors nationwide. Learn more about joining Pure at purepm.co. Hey, Steve. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited for this one um, because we're, we're talking about a product in prop tech, maybe construction tech. I'm not really sure what tech it is. Maybe just the built world as we, as we refer to it that you can actually touch. And that's so unique because so often prop tech is just not really itself tangible. Um, but as, as per tradition here, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Let everyone know who you are and what you do. Uh, I'm Steve Glenn. I'm the founder and CEO of Plant Prefab. We design and manufacture uh, a custom, sustainable, single and multifamily homes. All right. And before we get into the specifics, because I've, I've, I've got a fair amount of questions here on, on that, I actually want to start with the mission. Uh, so I, I pulled this and I, you know, I don't know if it's like the exact mission statement, uh, but I pulled this sentence, you know, uh, with a mission to build a better world by design. That piece right there. A mission to build a better world by design. 
what does that mean and why is that so important to you? Well, it really works on a bunch of levels. Um, first, uh, design. Uh, so um, design matters, um, and, and that too is a broad statement. Um, uh, it turns out that um, uh, well-designed spaces um, make us more productive in an office environment, heal quicker in a hospital environment, feel safer and happier in a residential environment, and that's about design, and it has to do with the layout and how much natural light there is and the way it supports the specific activities you want to do. I mean, there's a bunch there, but that's all about good design. But there's another part to that, which is it turns out if you look at buildings as a category versus all transportation versus all manufacturing, buildings use the greatest share of energy that's produced in the US and are responsible therefore for the greatest share of carbon emissions. So what I mean specifically is that the um, energy required to heat, cool, and light buildings um, exceeds all of the energy used for transportation and all of the energy used to make things. So for those of us who care about climate change, buildings are an extremely important part of the solution. Um, specifically, I mean, we need to make buildings that are more energy. And let me throw in water and resource efficient because that's all scarce too. So that's also a design issue. How do you design buildings to be more energy and water and resource efficient and also better indoor air quality? That's also about design. Yeah. So we aspire to both um, uh, facilitate great design from a functionality standpoint, great design from a sustainability standpoint, and to do that as efficiently as possible from a time and cost perspective. I, I, I dig it. I, I think this, there's so many ways to take this. So let's jump into then, of all of that, and that's quite, quite a broad uh, topic here. How does how does plant prefab fit in there? When, you know, really, where do you see the the one problem or the the big problem that you guys are working to solve for? Um, making uh, great architectural sustainable buildings more efficient. The process of 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 building those uh, buildings more efficient. That's that's what we aspire to do. Yeah, and and, and your background. Um, this this I found interesting. So I went looking to see like, okay, when was Steve a carpenter? When was you know when when did when was he you know working in the trade? But that's not really your background. Your your background's a little bit of like a different story. So like, what what is your expertise and background, and how did it lead to you know prefab uh, homes and buildings that you know are also good for you know think about efficiency and design in the environment? Yeah, no, but my background before this career was in technology, um, uh, mostly at startups, but also some big companies. Um, but turns out the first thing I ever wanted to, to, to be as a kid was an architect. I, I had uh, Legos and books on Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, uh, I got to college and I got involved with technology kind of early on, um, 
ended up co-founding a company that we, we, we ended up selling to Apple. But I still thought I might go into design. I did a, a, a summer design program, and I learned there that I, I really had neither the talent nor temperament to be, to be a great architect, in my opinion. Uh, but I learned about developers, and I realized that there are people, probably developers are the greatest example, who ultimately uh, facilitate great design or not by virtue of decisions they make um, about hiring architects, about letting them do great things. And so I, I said, all right, well, um, I don't think I have talent to be a great architect, but maybe someday I can help facilitate great architecture. So that was, uh. that, 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 that kind of was where that started. And, you know, years later, after a career in, in tech and, and, and some, a little bit of nonprofit work, I decided it was time to, to, to get into it. And, and, and I pretty quickly had the idea for what was the predecessor firm for Plant Prefab, and, uh, which was a design and development company called Living Home. So that's, that's sort of how I got here. Very cool. And maybe you can help break it down here because, uh, you know, admittedly, when I think about pre -home, prefab homes, uh, I have a like a very direct example I go to. Like my my next door neighbors growing up, you know, I grew up in a, a burb of Philly, and this actually wasn't very common. I'm still kind of interested as like whose idea it was that they pulled this off. But the corner lot of my mom's house, prior to her buying it, you know, they had subdivided it, and essentially they made two more lots out of that corner lot, and someone somewhere built both the homes. And they didn't, they weren't like a traditional twin, but they both came in on trucks and they put them on the foundation and there were the houses. So I think of that as prefab. At the same time, um, you know, I have a friend who does tiny home uh, sales in Tennessee and, and further down in the South. I think of those as prefab. I've talked with developers who have this, you know, locking type, like block type structure for taller multifamily think of that as prefab and even let's ship containers and mobile homes seems like that seems to be a, a pretty big topic in, in investing and also all over instagram with the mobile or the, the the shipping container homes what do you guys build and how is it the same or different from all those other examples that i just mentioned yeah so prefab is um an industry term pre before fabrication before you get on site and it really describes four major building systems, all of which are prefab. And I'm going to go through them, and um, there will be a logic to my order. I'll start with those that happen mostly in a factory, and I'll end with those that happen mostly on site. So the biggest category from both um, market perspective, which is to say sales, and probably even from a popular um, Perception standpoint are mobile homes. Those are those are prefab. They're made in factories. Um, legally, mobile homes are restricted to sites um, that have special designations because the homes can't be permanently um, anchored to a foundation. They're frankly almost more like um, cars than they are homes. You have to register them with um, the DOT. They come with a VIN number. Right, and so. Um, um, cities can and do restrict where they can go. Okay, so that's mobile homes. 
Next are modular homes. So that's where you're building the home out of big pieces. Um, mm -hmm. Think of it as big Legos. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Crane installs it on site. And maybe what you saw were, they might have been modular homes, but uh, sorry, mobile homes, but they may have been modular homes. They, they can sometimes be one module, uh, but the difference is that between the two, was it permanently attached or not? Modular homes conformed to local building code. Maybe that's why it was, right? It, it wasn't yeah. a mobile home park. Um, uh, uh, the next category, and again, we're moving to things that happen more on site, are panels or panel built home. So that's where you're doing um, like a wall or floor, roof, uh, maybe you've heard of a SIP, structural insulated panel. So there's more work to do on site. And then the final category under prefab are a kit home like Lindell log cabins. All the pieces are pre-cut. Technically, that's prefab too, but there's much more work on site. So those are the four gotcha. building systems, but they're also kind of markets that collectively comprise prefab. Yeah, I appreciate you going into that. So, so, so for how you guys built these homes, um, you have your own proprietary system, your, your, your plant building system. Can you talk about what that is and what makes it so unique? Um, yeah, so um, there's hardware and there's software. Um, on the um, hardware side, is, as I mentioned, there are two major building systems, modules and panels. And literally any company that, that you could give me in prefab in the US does one or the other. Um, there's a couple that do 3D printing. That's That too is prefab, but that's a, so far they collectively built very little, two major systems, modules mm -hmm. and, and, and panels. Both have certain advantages and disadvantages. Modules are great because you can build in parallel to your site work, so that can save you a lot of time. Um, you can, um, uh, uh, sometimes leverage lower cost labor relative to where your site is, so that could save you money. Um, you can, um, uh, <clears throat> it's an all weather environment, um, uh, but the downsides of modules are um, they're really expensive to ship and um, there's a lot of redundant structure involved. And so um, it's sometimes hard to solve certain design problems, particularly for the multifamily guys because of all that redundant mm. structure. So um, the multifamily guys in particular oftentimes um, prefer a panel system. Less redundant structure so you can solve. The multifamily folks in general want to max out number of units, max out floor yes, plan. And again, right. that's harder with, 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 with redundant structure. So panels is often a good solution for them. Um, the The downside oh and they're they ship flat way more efficient to ship than than mm. the shipping of air um, that happens in modules the downside with panels at least the, the the leading panel system in the u.s is a sip structural insulated panel but you still have to do electrical and plumbing and cladding and drywall and if it's a kitchen or bath your millwork your appliances your tiles so all that work shifts back on site Mm -hmm. But that's a problem because construction labor is scarcer and expensive and getting more so. 
So we designed and patented a new kind of panel. It comes with infrastructure, um, uh, finished material. We're building it with limited automation now, but with a super high degree in this new factory that we're um, building currently. And we combine some of those panels into modules for the expensive parts of the home, kitchen, bath, utility core. So now we have, so it's a hybrid system and it gives Mm -hmm. us greater design flexibility, uh, transportation efficiency and flexibility and cost efficiency. So that's a unique system that we have. We also have a unique engineering system that allows us to get absolutely precise bombs, build materials for everything we build that allows us to clarify constructability issues virtually before we we actually start construction and gives us CNC instructions. Currently, just for, um, we've got equipment that cuts lumber, but in the future, um, a full range of, of construction activities. And the, the prehab, prefab homes that you guys are building, you know, you guys are still, okay, so you have this technology that's enabling you to build them a little bit better and faster. You know, some of the, the stats I saw, you're saying like 20 to 50% faster on like a single family home build than say like your standard, you know, stick and on site. But it's not that you're just building to the equivalent quality or standards. You're, you're taking a ne- next step further that to, to lead both gold and platinum certifications, which has really been reserved for commercial, not really in the residential. Can you, can you talk through why that's such a uh, important piece to you guys, and what does that you know what does that mean to the process of building? Like, how does that change how you look at what you're doing to ensure that you're going to reach that level of quality? Well, sorry, are are, um, are you asking about quality per se? And or are you asking about sustainability? Because you, you you talked about both. Yeah. So fair enough. So so the the fact that you're getting these lead certifications and you know I I, I don't know all the, the the ins and outs of getting a lead certification, right? But there's certain standards that you have to meet in order to achieve that. So aside from being able to build faster and having proprietary systems in order to enable yeah. for that. What else has impacted or, or has been changed by pursuing, you know, these certifications in LEED, which historically have been really reserved for commercial purposes? You don't see that on residential as much. Yeah. Well, let's see. So two, two related but separate things, quality and sustainability. Um, uh, I mean, we do a lot. To, we've got a QA pretty formal, pretty comprehensive QA process. Um, we're really trying to build as high quality as possible. Um, uh, that is a sustainability issue. I mean, if you have a bad quality product, you tend to have to re- replace, replace resources, but also it's a customer relations um, issue, right? People want high quality home. They don't want to have to have a lot of maintenance issues. So. Um, we spend a lot of care to, to try to make sure that um, we're, we're, we're building according to, to spec, according to um, manufacturer recommendations for the materials we use. And then on sustainability, there's really two parts to that. Um, so we have a design group, and about 10% of our projects were the designers. 
90% of the projects in this important part of our model, um, they're third-party architects. Um, uh, and we're building for them. Um, when we're the designers, we're designing at a platinum level in terms of sustainability. Yeah. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, that is implications for heating and lighting and appliances and the materials we choose and the water systems and indoor air quality, yeah. all of that. I'm happy to go into the specifics if you're interested. When it's a third party architect, well, we're not in control of that. However, architects specifying their plans, design intent, they're pretty precise oftentimes about finishes, but the bulk of the materials that, that are ultimately used to build something are defined by your general contractor uh, or, or your, 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 your factory, us um, as your factory. Mm -hmm. And we're pretty careful about the materials we use, for example, and, and this is not optional. And again, architects don't specify right. this. Our drywall is 100% recycled content. Our, our paints and stains are no VOCs, volatile organic compounds, which is a off-gassing issue. We use LED lights, which use a tenth of the power of incandescent. So wow. um, even when we're not designing and we're working for others, we're very careful about the materials we use, um, uh, even if the customer doesn't frankly care about sustainability or the architect. Um, so um, that kind of answered both parts of that, I hope. No, I, I think that's great. And I mean, it, it seems like it would lend itself then for better identifying who your customer is, but also your end customer better identifying you guys. Have you found, because, you know, again, going back to like, you hear Lee talked about, you know, it went through like, a, I think there was like a sharp curve of adoption in the commercial world of pursuing that with the hopes that both that improve sustainability, but also may have an impact on building values over time. And so, but you take it and bring it to the residential world. Do you see that customers come to you because of that standard? Or this is just your stamp on the world of, hey, you know, even if they ask for it or not, this is something that we know we can do and we're going to do it because it has the impact it has. Yeah. Well, I, 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 some do for sure and some well, again, we let's separate people coming to us because of the design we do. And we, we've got these, we partner with world-class architects to create lines of what we call living homes, which you can see on our website. And mm -hmm. um, and actually you can configure some like cars. Um, so that's 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 all in the, um, that's where we're your designers. And I, and, and, and I think we have customers who are drawn by a combination of design and, and they certainly care about sustainability. Where we're manufacturing for third parties, I think it's generally about they, they want a more efficient process. Some get into the details of sustainability, but you know many may not. Um, doesn't matter, we build responsibly anyway, but, um, but I, 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 you know, our average project is in the factory three, three and a half months. Like that's production. Wow. That's way faster than site building. And that's in parallel to the, to the site. So, um, you know, we're, we're, um, I, and sometimes we're saving money, not all the time. Right. It really depends on what we're doing, where, but that's something customers always care about. Um, uh, you know, they, 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 they want a more efficient process. Do you find, you know, the fact that you're prefab, uh, do you have any more friction? 
from townships and municipalities, counties, into uh, the homes getting built? Um, or does it go just as smoothly as any other stick build? Well, um, smoothly is a funny word in this context, but um, uh, let's see. We know the gig. We've done this for years, so sometimes we're working in municipalities that aren't. In, in the U.S., um, in general, we don't know for every state, but mm. worked in a number. It's the states responsible for permitting, um, reviewing your plans for the structure, for, for the vertical, for the components you build, and for inspecting at the factory. And the local municipality does the site work. Some local municipalities aren't familiar with that process, but we, we know what to send them. And no, we've not had anybody push back about that. I mean, it's, it's sort of settled law. It, it is what it is. And, um, uh, and, and, and now, as I mentioned earlier, although not in great detail, but a modular home, a panel built home, it, you can form a local building code um, and you go through the same planning approvals. Mm -hmm. So there's no special, same zoning applies if it's coastal commission or special, if, if it's high fire zone, all of that applies. You don't get any hall pass because it's prefab. Right. The only place where it's a little different after you've gone through permitting, uh, planning, you've got your approvals. Now the building permit, well, that one's a little different. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. I wanna, I wanna jump a little bit over to um, how you guys are you know, working with your customers and, and just kind of like get very pragmatic about it. Somebody fills out a lead form on the website and uh, hey, I was looking at your living homes. They look super cool. I've got this plot of land up in the Black Hills see it for me right here and I want to put one of those houses there what's the process to work with that customer to get that home for them to move in um, well it, it, it depends so assuming you literally meant you want one of our standard homes or customized version of that um, you know it depends if we built it or not if is it is it standard or custom so we've got some homes for example the the uh, living home six that we built before like that plans ready to go now you'll if you're in California you're gonna have to do a custom foundation because it's gonna apply to your seismic zone so we'll have to take some time to do that that could take a few months um, but other than that we've got the plan for the home so that could be a much quicker process you'll have your local permits and that can vary widely I mean some you know if you're in coastal areas in California that can take a year or two to get through if there are other other areas in California where you can get your your you can go through the process in you know a couple months so mm -hmm. you could be ready if it's a standard home and you, you've got a soils report in in, in literally you know months um, uh, uh, certainly less than six months maybe four months to, 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 to get your building permit um, and to construct. But if you want to customize or you have a longer permitting process, that can take right. take a lot more time. Yeah, so so pick, picking a house off the shelf, if you will, one that you guys have already built, you have the plans, you know, that, that can be a little bit uh, more direct with you guys. But then if I was trying to build something directly, it's your architect team and your design team 
then would work with me to kind of come up with what that vision is and how it works. Uh, and then is that a little bit of a different process than you're dealing with the get approvals and all or kind of just the same thing? It's just, you know, a matter of drawing up the plans and submitting. Well, I, t I talked about the approval process, right? Um, same planning, no, no different if it's yep. site built, but a little bit different building permit process, a little gotcha. bit more efficient. But it, honestly, it's planning that takes longer, um, generally, in, in, in cities. So that one, you know, we're, we're, we're the same as, as anyone. And remember, with us, you can work with any architect. So if you like what we do, great. If you like a local architect or some other architect that may not be local, but you yeah. like their work, great. Most of what we're doing is, is building for other architects. Yeah, and that actually leads me into a kind of follow up there of like, you know, who are some of the other stakeholders that may need to be considered uh, for a transaction to go through? And, you know, I would even think through like, I guess one that particularly comes to mind is how do banks look at this? And do they see it as a standard home or do they have to put things into a special category? Yeah, legally, again, these are the same as a site built home that can't be discriminated with respect to zoning, they can't be discriminated against with respect to finance. However, we do have a, a, a different payout schedule than banks are used to. On a site built process, they're used to small payments every month over, you know, could be a year to three years. With us, we get a chunk of money before we start and the rest of it before we ship and, you know, that can be three months in between. So, wow. Some banks have a problem with that, and, and others are fine. Um, uh, most of our projects are bank-financed. Um, we don't get too involved with that, um, though we, we, we certainly answer questions for banks when, when they've come up. Um, uh, so financing, uh, you need a local general contractor to do the site work. We don't do that. Um, uh, we, um, we have a bunch of people that we've worked with um, and recommend, but um, any any site GC could do the site work. Um, so the you know the major entities in, involved are you know architects. We could be that. You could pick someone. Us on the on the prefab manufacturing and a site GC. Mm -hmm. um, yes, a lending institution if you're going that way, and and certainly government, your local municipality on the permitting side. Gotcha. Yeah, very cool. but that's we. If we're your architect, we deal with the permitting. If you have a third-party architect, they deal with it. That's that's not something generally our clients deal with directly. Gotcha. Uh, moving on, I'm curious. You guys are based in California, right? Yes. Okay. Now, but where are you seeing the most adoption? Is there kind of like certain pockets of the country that is really? you know, coming to, to this is like, hey, this is a better way to build a home? Uh, or is it kind of just depending on wherever the customer may live and there's no real particular geography that this is, uh, you know, something that's lending itself to? Well, it's happening around the country. Um, we don't serve. We've just been focused on California. Now we've got a bunch of projects in Utah and Colorado. I think one in Montana. Um, uh, so... Um, uh, that's just us, but there are right. companies around the, the, the country. Now, what we've been doing uniquely, historically prefab in this country has mostly been about mobile homes. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, also schools and, and, and like commercial, by the way, but um, don't know a lot about that, but prefab's been, been used and still is used for that. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, 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 but in the last, um, you know, six, seven, eight years, there, there have been a new crop of companies, new generation of companies, we among them, focused on areas that hitherto haven't been the domain of prefab, at least in this country. So we're focused on custom architecture. Our projects tend to be urban infill, second home communities, mountain communities. There are companies focused on um, large multifamily projects. We're not currently doing that. Um, companies focus on accessory dwelling units, so tiny homes. Mm -hmm. we, we, we've done that, but that's not our main focus. So there's a much wider number of, of companies focused on, a, uh, on a, a, a variety of different categories these days. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, and the, it makes sense to try and to somewhat niche down to what you're going to be known for and what you, you're doing. I mean, that gives you the ability to build up more repeatable processes and, and systems. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the, the light side of commercial and I immediately thought about, I don't think, I think from sixth grade on to my 12th grade of, of school, I, we always had modular classrooms at our schools for some reason or another. We always had like those, you know, the big trailers to just kind of park out and they build the wooden, you know, boardwalks and cause we just didn't have enough clay classrooms in our schools or they were under construction and all that sort of thing. Those are always nicer classrooms anyway. <laughs> they had air conditioning that worked, they had heat that worked. Whereas our old brick building schools are just kind of, you know, I don't know why they just don't keep those suckers around. It seems like it would make a whole lot more sense than these massive uh, projects. That, but that's a, you know, that's a whole another. <laughs> that'd be a whole another tangent that we could we could go down. Um, I'd love to dig in a little bit more about, you know, you you guys have had significant growth over the, uh, you know the last few years here. You've gotten uh, quite a bit in funding to really propel the business forward. What's really been the driver of that growth? Uh, just, you know, we're focused on a real need. Um, uh, uh, since the downturn of 2008 through 2012, the real estate downturn, um, a lot of labor left the market, construction labor, they haven't come back. So we've had this unprecedented increase in land costs, labor costs, um, material cost, which only accelerated during COVID. Um, so there's just a, a much greater, there, there always was a demand for a more efficient way to build. I mean, construction productivity has actually shrank a bit in the last hundred years, um, unlike literally every other industry, but it's only gotten more wow. um, acute. The, 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 the need gr has only grown since 2012. Yeah. And luckily the, the, the venture world has sort of woken up to the, to the trillion dollar opportunity here. And so um, as a result, there's just more focus, um, uh, more companies like us looking yeah. at different niches to say, hey, I think we can do that more efficiently. So that's what's driving it. Just, I think there's a yeah. real need. I think I saw in the last uh, housing report, uh, like just a few days ago, it was something like 4 million homes needed by 
you know, just, just to keep pace. Like we're not, we're just so far behind on keeping pace. And, and we talk homes, not just housing units, but people, people want their own home, you know, uh, millennial, my generation, like we grow up, we want homes, Gen Z, like it's not unfathomable. We'll want homes. They don't all have to be very large. You know, what we, we built the early two thousands, we went really, uh, pretty, pretty full on suburban sprawl and you know it's gonna be a happy you're gonna need a happy medium but you know it's tough to make the to, to just build small homes anymore you know it doesn't fit into a lot of people's models but i think a lot of people will who have the option and luxury of choice though will prefer to go with something that makes more sense is more efficient and you know quite frankly doesn't look like the home across the street you know that's that's something that i hear from uh, my friends, my peers, that, uh, and I'm saying this from a development. <laughs> I, I live in a development, but uh, maybe not the traditional development that I was building back in 2006, 2008. You know, this is, um, I think there's going to be a lot of people who will look for the, the unique home in their area, uh, what you guys are doing here. Um, I want to ask you about just the general built world space. You mentioned VCs have kind of woken up and seen the opportunity. Despite the very interesting nature of not just the real estate market, but all markets in the last few years, I think that's the best way to describe it. We are very interesting times. Do you think that venture capital is still going to be pouring into built world companies like yours? Or do you think that there might be a little bit of hesitation going too far, too hard into real estate and, and even physical products like yours. And I'd love to know uh, why that is that you feel that way. Well, I, I, I don't understand why there would be any hesitation, but other than right now, it's um, um, there's certainly economic uncertainty. And so um, investment is down really across all segments. It's been particularly hard for people at a growth stage, but even even seed apparently is is down sort of year to year. So, but that's a that's a general theme of investing. Um, uh, that doesn't just apply to prop tech or construction tech. Um, so, um, no, I think there's just more and more companies doing interesting things and and. Um, while there may be um, at some well, let me say there will be um, uh, some kind of market correction. Um, the real estate market, like the stock market, is cyclical. Um, however, like the stock market, it's just been going up for the past, uh, you know, uh, big chunk of time. And, um, Feels like a very long time. And, and, and the retrenchments, well, there was 2008 through 2012, right? Um, um, that was the worst real estate downturn since the Great Depression. In general, um, the real estate um, downturns tend to be more regional. They don't tend to be as long or as deep as they were um, 2008 through 2012. So. Um, it's going to happen, but this is one of the biggest industries there is, and and yeah. in general, it's been under um, invested. Um, my belief, many many people also, also who do this for a living believe. So I, I think it's only going to increase. 
yeah. investment. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna transition here. We're gonna get to the bottom of the show here uh, for my favorite segment, which I like to call "For the Future." For the Future is where I get to ask each guest who comes in show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Steve, are you ready to play? Let's do it. All right. Question number one: What does plant prefab look like one year from now? Um, well, that that big, very different. Um, one year from now, um, we will have been. Um, uh, either open for a little bit, or or or. Um, we 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 will have opened our our first hub. Um, so we're developing kind of a um, not atypical manufacturing strategy, hub and spoke in the hubs, and we're working on our first one. It's in Arvin, California, which is about half an hour south of Bakersfield, or about an hour and a half north of Los Angeles. Uh, okay. We will be manufacturing our plant building system with a very high degree of automation. In fact, at our site, um, there's a great video. You can actually Google plant prefab first automated factory. I, th I think it'll come up and you can see what we're doing. Um, and um, we're going to be able to build way faster, lower cost, higher quality than we do now. And then um, that facility, the Arvin Hub, will ship components to our two existing factories. We have uh, one in Rialto, one in Ontario, both in Southern California, mm -hmm. who will use those components to assemble modules and then kit the rest. And, 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 and those um, uh, spokes are closer to the markets we serve. So that, that's just a fundamental difference than what we're doing today, which is mostly building manually. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a big change a year from now for plant. That's, that's very exciting. Um, question number two, and this one's left with some room for interpretation. However you define mainstream, will prefab homes become mainstream within the next five years? Why or why not? Yeah. So, um, also, by the way, I should mention between our two existing facilities, depending upon the size of the project, we can do 25 to 35 homes a year. With Arvin and the associated spokes that it supports, we'll be able to do 800. So that's also a big oh, wow. kind of change in our business. Yeah. yeah um, so five years, yeah, a, a way bigger percentage of, of homes in the U.S. Will, will, will be built with prefabricated components. I, I have to say it that way because, um, again, it's not just like a module or, or, or manufactured home where most of it is built in the factory and, and comes on site. I think prefabricated components, walls, floors, roofs, will increasingly um, be used even by the big production home builders, the KB Homes on ours, uh, NBRs, uh, to build their homes. Um, I'll just share, you know, years ago, I was working for a, a small general contractor he had purchased the neighborhood bar and the parking lot was big enough to put in three single family homes. And it was very exciting to be on that project because what we learned, sorry for the digress here, but under that, that parking lot was the old dump that no one remembered or knew. Oh, nice. So we pulled some really interesting glass bottles and cool things out of there, all as well as a lot of trash. 
Yeah. But when we put in the, the, the foundation walls, the foundation walls were brought in and they were modular. And not only were they modular, and it was super cool to see it because they were already studded if you wanted to finish in the basement. So they came in with the studs, ready to go. I mean, it was just, it was just such a no-brainer for a small developer to do that. And those homes sold so fast and for way more than everything else in that area because everyone saw the value that was was baked in and it just made made a ton more sense. So uh, I, I'm with you there. I, th I think a lot of people will go and you, you alluded to it earlier, labor shortages only force us to get more efficient and smarter on how we build. All right, number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away? Um, building with with um, a lot of waste, um, uh, uh, building with non-sustainable materials. Um, I think it's getting less, but it's it's gonna it's still still a problem. Yeah. Last one here. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Uh, I think um, title insurance goes away at some point. I think it all goes to the blockchain. Oh, you're, you've got to be guessed like number five or six that has, has given that answer over hmm. 120 some episodes. Well, um, but uh, that's, I think that's remarkable because, I mean, <laughs> there's any direction we can go with this. Um, so. Yeah. Well, if the title companies adopt blockchain first, do the title companies go away? Well, it, it's not so much I, I, that I can't comment on. I don't understand. Their, I just know that it's crazy that you have to check for title every time and insure it. Like once, <laughs> like it should just be written in the blockchain. And then if there are claims against it, like you quickly figure that out and like why do why do we even need to have insurance because we know sure. like you're not there's no more guessing you know it's a very interesting insurance product to say the least that's for sure yeah all right steve these last questions are really about you so our listeners get to know you better first one is and i see all the books behind you what are you reading uh great science fiction book uh right now called the three body problem all right Question number two, who are you learning from? Um, I mean, it's gonna sound like motherhood and apple pie, but my team, um, for sure. Um, like, That's great, that's good. And then the last one here, what inspires you? Um, I mean, a bunch of things, um, but uh, feeling like we're like we're one of the good ones, um, you know, just trying to be res as responsible as we can be as a company. Like that, 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 that's that's pretty inspiring. But you know, maybe more like to tie it back because I get inspired by a lot of stuff. But to tie it into your first comment, um, uh, design. Um, I, I mean, I just always been moved by space. Since I was a kid, I, I, I noticed, and in particular, like mid-century modern architecture. I just always noticed it growing up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. There were a lot of great homes. In fact, one of our most famous 
um, residence, not now, but back in the day, James Taylor grew up in a mid-century modern home. And um, I, when I walk through a great space, I just, I feel joy. And, you know, it's, it's awesome that we're helping to facilitate that for others. That, that is awesome. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that bit of passion here. Um, Steve, this is really exciting uh, and great time. I appreciate you sharing so much and breaking down uh, a lot of a lot of differences here uh, it, that you know prefab can go many different directions and comes in many shapes and forms. But um, love that you guys are taking it um, in the angle that you are. Before we close out the show, for those who want to get in touch with you and or learn more about Plant Prefab, where do they go? How do they do that? plantprefab.com there it is we'll yeah. have the link in the show notes and descriptions as well so it's always easy to find those uh, but until next time we'll catch you later thank you very much for uh, including me and, and um, look forward to uh, uh, more of your shows in the future thanks Thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter. Head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right in your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great worthy listen. We'll see you next week.